Welcome to Regenerative Farmers of America podcast. Today we are joined by Blake and Stephanie Alexander from the Alexander Family Farm, and they're here to help share some of their insight into the regenerative movement, their farm, and tips for future farmers. Thank you guys so much for being here. We are such big fans of your company and would love to just if you want to kick us off by letting us know how it all got started five generations ago, how did the farm begin and was it always regenerative or is that something that developed over time? Blake and I, Stephanie, are um, fourth generation dairy farmers. And so we have been in the dairy business our whole life. In 1992, we bought the dairy where we are now in Northern California, right on the Oregon border, right next to the ocean. And in that we came into an environment that was just beautiful and just perfect for um, regenerative setting. We didn't know the term regenerative, but what we were learning early on through um, friends that we made is organic matter. And we started improving soils and concentrating on organic matter. Yeah, and, and I would simply also add that I grew up on a grazing farm here in, in 100 miles south of where we're at now. And, and uh, before that, it was my grandfather's and my great-grandfather's about 100 years ago. And now our oldest son, Joseph, and his wife are, are managing that farm. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, is my point, even when we were selling conventional milk. And so it, it's uh, truly a, a very natural fit. Uh, the United States has drifted off into industrial agriculture, and we're kind of here as proponents of uh, an old-fashioned natural process into making food for people. And um, we became regenerative dairy farmers long before the term regenerative was known. When we bought our ranch in 1992, where we live today and raised our family, we started learning about organic matter and what made better organic matter. And just went through that process. And today the term regenerative became to mean something. And now we look back of what we've been doing for all these years, the composting, the nutrient water application, the, the seeds and the rotational grazings, all that sums up to what regenerative is today. But it's something we've been doing for almost 30 years. Sure, absolutely. And I, I would even say that we've been doing it for multiple generations here in Crescent City in Del Norte County. Um, Anyhow, my, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather grazed cows down there on our farm that uh, our son now is, is grazing cows on. And so he is fifth generation. And um, you know, we've been attempting to, to build soils and, and like Stephanie mentioned, focusing on, on building organic matter. And when you do that and you, you implement the appropriate grazing techniques and stuff on a, on a permanent pasture, then you're... You, the consequences of that is you are a regenerative farmer. And that's just so cool that this whole movement has come along to uh, truly define what we've already been doing and, and this general understanding that we had, uh, especially when we converted to organic a long time ago and, and started to really understand what was going on below the soil and, and, and paying attention to biology and, and then ultimately organic matter and, and making that grow because organic matter in our soil is a big sponge and, and we want to increase that sponge or, or water holding capacity for every point of organic matter we increase, we can hold another 20,000 gallons of water per acre. And so we've now got fields where we've increased 10 or, or even 12%. And so that's a lot of water per acre. And, and so consequently during our dry season, which is always about five, six months per year, we, uh, 
we only have to water maybe once every 30 days or even 40 days, uh, to, which in contrast to when we bought the ranch uh, 30 years ago or so, it was, it was uh, more like an eight or 10 day rotation on irrigation. And so that's wonderful, saves water, saves labor, and uh, just adds efficiency to the whole mix. And when we went organic and even before then, um, I, I tell people, Blake became a soil and grass enthusiast. He read books and one of the books he loved was um, Gary Zimmer, The Biological Farmer. And he read that in about 2003, um, 2004 or so. And that just took his knowledge of organic matter and then taught him all about the life of the soil. So he really holds Gary in high regard. And John Schneider is our agronomist. We've worked with him since we moved here. He originally was a sheep farmer from Oregon and now is an agronomist and, and just love the knowledge we've also grown to grown in our abilities through working in conversations with him in directions. That's amazing. And it's so great that you guys kind of saw the benefits before it had names and labels and all that good yeah. stuff. You, you mentioned, obviously, the droughts in California and the water. Are there any other kind of high-level benefits that you feel have come from those different practices, kind of your maybe top three things that have helped transform the farm? Yeah, sure. I, I uh, haven't actually thought about it in that context, but I, I would say the first thing is, is yields. And, and you know, as, a, as a sustainable farm, uh, you know, often sustainability means that you're profitable but it, it can't be profitable at, at the expense of the environment or, you know, the community or something. And so it, it has to be a well thought out profitability. And, and so as we are building soils, then we're obviously growing better grass and we're growing more volumes of grass, uh, which, you know, will consequently feed more animals and make more meat, milk and eggs. And, and so that, that's a huge benefit. I think the second one I would then focus on would be the one that Stephanie would be immediately think about is the nutrient density of, uh, of our grass and the nutrient density of all those proteins that we just mentioned. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately it's the health of our cattle and the health of the people that consume our products. And, and that is a huge thing. So we've adopted the concept that we're trying to do the right thing at every turn years ago. And, and, and that's a result of that. Yeah, and on that nutrient density, just like a lot of consumers are becoming more and more aware of gut biome and, and a healthy gut is really needed for health or they should be aware of that. The health of a plant is the soil and that live biology and that biome down there. And that's what we're concentrating on. And that's what we're, we're learning about and focusing and feeding and keeping it alive. And that in turn grows a more nutrient dense plant. And when I talked about Blake becoming a soil grass enthusiast, I became a nutrient dense foodie mom with our five young children in those years and trying to get better foods and more nutrient density. And that's really what we're after for our cows and also for our kids, our calves and our whole communities and our country. We want better foods for people and it starts in the gut and it starts in the soil. Yeah, I, right. I would just wrap up the question. Uh, you know, you asked for three things, um, and, and I'm giving you three things other than building organic matter. But it, you know, um, and and so the the third or the fourth one would be that that we are just literally working with um, nature and and God's plan as we're supposed to, and so we're simply honoring that system that we've got, which is all the biology, and, and our job as uh, farmers or stewards of the soil is to not do anything that harms that system, uh, be aware of it, and, and just 
work with it, feed it, uh, you know, in the terms of compost tea and the appropriate use of our nutrient water uh, that's been oxygenated and, and, um, and then of course, you know, grazing the cattle appropriately and, and trying to replicate the, the, the system uh, that we've been given and, and you know, what, what nature responds to the best. With so many different benefits like that, do you find that you guys are attracting customers because of all the benefits of regenerative agriculture? Or does that kind of come secondary that they come for like the delicious dairy, the delicious eggs, and then we're educating customers? Chicken and egg question, which one do you feel is coming first to your customers? (laughs) You know, that's a great question. Um, A lot of people have left dairy for various reasons. And one of those reasons or two or three of those reasons might be reasons they'll come back to dairy because of our practices, because of we're A2 organic dairy farmers. All that is getting some attention from consumers and our sales are are showing it. And people are coming maybe to us because they hear about our our regenerative practices, because we're grass-based, because we're organic or because we're A2. And because bald eagles and and Roosevelt elk live on our farm, who knows why they're coming back, but we're getting that attention and we want them to taste our product. And then they keep coming back because of the taste of our product. And we believe it's because of our grasses, because of our genetics we've chosen, which Blake can get more into that too, um, that grass-based genetics that we needed to go to. Yeah, I I think the... um... The whole package of what we're doing, and again, I mentioned a few minutes ago that we're trying to do the right thing at every turn, and and doing the right thing at every turn is quite a challenge when we've imposed that on ourselves and our, our, our employees, our folks, our neighborhood, and there's a lot more to that than, than it might just seem on the surface, and, and then the consequences of that are just wonderful. Um, we've got milk that tastes different. We've got cows that make milk that is, is different. And because we're leaning on grass at every turn as much as we can, the, you know, the, the health benefits of our milks and, and meats and eggs are, are, are truly different. And consumers can taste and feel that difference. Uh, that, that's what we believe. And so this isn't a big marketing campaign that is making our brand grow. It's really just offering consumers, you know, the, the absolute best product that we could possibly put on the shelf and then letting them taste it and see it and feel it. And, um, you know, we're getting a wonderful response. And so we're, we're quite happy with that. It's just it's a, a very organic approach to this and, and it's not a big, heavy push. That's great. It's, I feel like it's so much easier to educate consumers when at all levels, you're doing the best you can. We may not all do it perfect the first times, but we very purely can come from, we're doing it the best we know how. And that's always great. Um, on the flip side of that, have you guys experienced any like consumer education issues or any kind of resistance to educating consumers? Of course, you have a little bit of a controversial market with dairy these days. How, how is that going? Well, I, I, I think that there's always the extremes, um, you know, on both sides, the lovers and haters, if you will. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Tom Brady fan, but not everybody is. And, and um, you know, so, so there's, we, we have fans and, and not everybody's a fan of what we do. And it, I don't think that's a statement that we're doing something wrong. I think that's more of a statement of misunderstanding and not really looking into what we're doing. And, and at surface, seeing something that they don't particularly like or understand and just making the wrong decision. So, you know, I, we, we always welcome people to, mm-hmm. to come visit us, come see the farm, you know, 
come see the back of our farm, walk through a farm. We want to be transparent. We want to be translucent. We want to share what we're doing. Um, because again, we are trying to do the right thing at every turn. Yeah, and I, I would add to that, um, like Blake said, we, we love people to come visit. Um, some people out there think that we're large and we are larger, and but we also want to make a difference in the food supply so that people would come back to dairy and it's monumental that um, we can get our dairy across the country to people who can't drink dairy or maybe won't drink dairy because of environmental practices or something. And we can address that. And probably the hardest thing right now is educating the, the um, consumer on what A2 organic milk is and, the, and that we have to offer. Um, and then the regenerative uh, conversation is a big conversation and more and more stores are making notice of it. Uh, it's great that we're certified regenerative with two different organizations and we're seeing the term regenerative in a lot of people's marketing, but I'm not seeing a certification yet. So that's important too. I, we don't want to see it become just a term like natural used to be and then organic got watered down with the rules and stuff. So we want to keep that standard high and we do operate on high standards for organics. But regenerative is the new buzzword in the industry and it is a way um, organic farmers can go to easily, but we also want to show a way conventional farmers can go to and encourage dairy farmers to work with growers that are using regenerative practices because there are ways and techniques to build that organic matter and keep that soils alive, the, the microbiome, but also the earthworms. You know, how many earthworms are you preserving and, and nurturing? And that's really important for all that. And that conversation needs to keep going to the consumers. Yeah, I, I, I would add that um, for the first four years of our brand, we've been out for almost five years. We, we were really pushing the A2, A2 genetics and the A2-ness of our milk and that the digestibility of the protein is you know, more con conducive to a lot of folks that can't tolerate dairy. And you know, that was a, a, a pretty big uphill um, education effort. And this regenerative certification that came along for us here uh, in January of this year has been just really kind of a, a, a really wonderful awakening of who we are and what we are. And it's uh, offered up a lot of opportunity for us to speak and talk and do, you know, um, efforts like this podcast. I was at a sustainable brands conference in San Diego, California last week, and I was asked to speak to the group. And, and you know, that's just a really neat honor. And it's because we, we were the first regeneratively certified dairy farm in the U.S. or in the world. Um, and so that, that's opened up opportunity. And um, you know, we're very thankful of the regenerative movement because people can understand it. It's simply regenerating soil as opposed to degenerating soil and not paying attention. And a key thing about regener being regenerative farmers is rotational grazing of our cows. So we're grass-based dairy farmers. And one of those things with the internet and people traveling more, we were able to access genetics from all over the world. And for us, it was grass-based genetics we're ser searching for. And at first we started with the Kiwi crosses from New Zealand. And then more recently, we've been doing um, the Fleck V from Germany. And these breeds are more of an old fashioned breed, hardier, higher in butter fat and higher in protein. So really our milk is also more nutrient dense. And I love it when you see people in the store and um, they're sampling your milk and maybe they're older and they have an accent and they're from a foreign country and they're just 
it warms our hearts to hear them say, this is the way milk tasted when I grew up in Romania or Yugoslavia or even uh, Mexico. And um, so we, we love hearing that. And those are the, that old fashioned genetics that are grass-based. And now we're seeing them more in the States and appreciating the companies that are um, having those grass-based genetics. But then also we were searching for the A2A2, the digestible protein in milk. And that was important for our farm and our mission as well. We, we, we've also chose to put high fat in, in all of our products, which um, you know is really where the goodness from the grass and the grazing and the regenerative soils uh, carried out in, in the form of the, you know, the food product that we can ultimately offer on the shelf. And, and so um, that gives our products a unique taste. And so I think regenerative helps us tell that story and helps consumers relate, you know, this cool and groovy taste in their mouth to a process. And so we're, we're just very thankful for that. The other thing on our regenerative um, thing, when we bought our ranch, we got really excited about just the environmental opportunities here. We have creeks on our ranch that some of them were just swales in the fields and we started fencing off the riparian zones and planting trees. And, and now 20 years later, we are just enjoying the beauty of our creeks and, and um, the sloughs and salmon flow through our, our riparian zones. And so that's really fun to tell that part of the story of dairy farmers. And I mentioned the bald eagle nest and Roosevelt elk and the frogs and, and salmon, all these beautiful things that are part of our coastal environment that we are just continually enhancing. And that's part of the regenerative story too. That's amazing that that's such a long list of benefits. I wish I could like take, you know, an hour for each segment that you guys bring up some sure. interesting things. I want to kind of go off on a mini tangent that I think is really interesting about what you're talking about old genetics. You know, we all talk about over-industrialized breeds of animals and just for the farmers who are kind of maybe just starting or thinking about those genetics, you talk about the conversion in the fats. Can you talk a little bit more about how you kind of made those decisions away from industrialized animals at the same time as while you were regenerating? Sure, that, that's a very fair and, and um, a great question, Lauren. So <clears throat> I, I think the focus for us uh, literally for 30 years has been uh, grazing genetics, if we could just summarize it that way. And so we're looking for small to medium uh, framed cattle that can literally walk a mile to a field and, and go out and work for a living and go out and you know find their own feed and then bring us back some milk to the, the milk barn or the milk parlor. <laughs> And that's a different approach than the, you know, than the uh, industrial kind of uh, situation we've grown up with here in the United States and where I went away to college to get educated in that system. It's, 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 it's you know, we, we've certainly kind of broke away from the pack or the herd to, uh, you know, pursue other genetics. And, um, you know, typically Holstein cattle, the black and white ones are used. And then the jerseys are kind of the opposite end of that spectrum, the small little brown ones. And so we started simply with those and started crossbreeding those. And then eventually, like Stephanie mentioned, we went to New Zealand to get a lot of their Kiwi genetics, which is their version of a Holstein, which is as much smaller cow. And they feed a lot less grain in that country. And so those cows are, have literally developed other skills and other digestive habits, if you will, about converting grasses and forages and, and other plant material into, you know, edible products that humans can eat. Um, we think of our cows as, uh, and, and we think of our milk, our, our, our dairy products as plant-based. 
And it, it really bothers me that there's all these other supposed plant-based milks out there that really aren't milks and certainly not a good option to be raising your children on. And so our milk is plant-based. Our cows are living on grass. They're converting that into more usable, digestible products for, for our infants and for our, our, our kids and our children and ultimately for us. Um, so back to the genetics, we, we've literally crossbred and, and I, I would say our goal is to build a composite breed or a composite animal that is um, really adapted to our climate where we get a lot of rain here, um, somewhat cool season all summer, but quite comfortably warm in the winter. And, um, you know, just a perfect place to graze animals and, and to work with them. Well, let me just then add the, the Fleck V breed, which is a, a dual purpose breed that, you know, we became aware of about eight years ago. And we love those cattle. Uh, they're just big, gentle giants, if you will. They're a little larger than I like, but we, we choose the smaller version of them. Uh, we we crossbreed them with this, you know, these crossbreeds that we already have. And they, they've just influenced our cattle in a wonderful way. So we've got a lot of white faces out here now with, uh, we, we call them goggles on their eyes where we like the dark pigment around the eye. And um, these, these cattle have allowed us to, uh, I guess, maybe raise the steers and, and have a meat program uh, in a grazing situation with a lot of efficiency. And so dual purpose, meaning that they're bred for meat and milk at the same time. And they're not really, they're not really going drifting off into you know a dairy uh, direction and a beef direction They're, they just stay in the middle and, and so we've sacrificed some production but I think we've added a lot of really cool traits to our herd uh, by bringing that breed in and, and we're really happy with them and you know we get all different colors of cattle now one of the things that I think is really unique and interesting about your farm is you guys have a lot of really amazing certification and you've worked with a lot of great uh, certifiers, of course. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, even the non-regenerative ones, grass-fed, organic, tell us a little bit about how you picked those certifications and kind of what benefits you're finding as, of course, there's a sea of them. How'd you pick the ones that you are using today? Yeah, I might just start and then I won't step okay. in and answer this, but we have never been afraid of anyone. We've never um, not done a certi certification because we thought it was hard or, or whatever. We've mm -hmm. always had this really wide open attitude that we want to be part of the solution and we want to be part of helping to get those uh, requirements correct. And, and I think that's ultimately why we, we, we became the first, you know, regeneratively certified dairy by two different groups is we're always willing to work with everybody. And, and so going back to animal humane and, and different deals, so Steph. And um, yes, we do have several certification. And one of the things we've learned is if, if you're doing something right and you qualify on that certification, get the certification and let them help you market it. Let them continue to tell the story and it's an avenue. And one of the things that um, we didn't do for a marketing perspective, we did it because we were passionate about it is grass-fed milk. So one of our farms is 100% grass-fed. We were Organic Valley is one of their first grass-fed dairy farms um, back when they launched that about 2012 or 13. And um, we really believe nutrient density comes from grass-based genetics and, and grass-based cows. And, and we learned over time that we certainly needed a certain 
type of genetic for that particular dairy where we have 100% grass fed. So we do have the organic trust plus certification of 100% grass fed. Um, we also work with CCOFs, um, California Certified Organic Farmers, and we've been working with them since we basically went organic and uh, started the process, that whole process of organic in 99. I actually was on their board of directors for 12 years. Um, I did get off when they voted to encourage NLP to go with hydroponics. I disagree with that move. And I think food should be from soil. <laughs> and, and, um, well, I, I would just add this, that, and it, it does seem like we've been with CCOF forever, but we were with two other certifiers first, one at a time. Mm -hmm. And we chose to, to quit them because we really didn't agree with their integrity. And, and yeah. so we ultimately chose CCOF because we believe they were the hardest and, and, and they were the, the most firm on the rules. And so, um, you know, consequently there, there was a little uh, disagreement there towards the end, but we're still certified by them. And, and, and still have a great relationship. And, and yeah. we're still advocates for what they do. And um, the other certification, we actually hold several animal humane certifications. And some of those are chosen because our buyers need them. Um, whether it's a, a generic one that a lot of conventional dairy farms use, we have it as well. And it's a very great certification, but then there's others that have different standards and they work well with the organic and that's animal humane. And also uh, because um, our rock certification, that was one of the requirements that we use animal humane, we went down that path as well. Um, what other certifications? Well, rock, uh, rock also has a social aspect uh, yes. that, uh, and um you know, it's really how, how we're getting judged on how we treat our employees and, and, and our neighborhood. And that, that's a cool component of that certification. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the Regenerative Organic Alliance or Regenerative Organic Seal or CERT. Uh, and, and then we're also, you know, regeneratively certified by Land to Market, which is the EOV, uh, Ecologically Outcome Verified by the Savory Institute. Uh, ultimately started by Alan Savory, uh, you know, just a, a, a monster in this industry of regenerative and understanding it better than anybody for a lot longer. A mentor uh, for a long time. Right. And so, you know, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him 30 years ago and then we continue to, to visit and talk occasionally. And um, it's, it's been, you know, very helpful. There's just a lot of really great folks out there and um, you know, it's uh I think it's all coming together for us and we're just very appreciative of that. And then another certification we added on was the kosher and um, for those seeking kosher foods that we are kosher certified as well. You guys really do cover quite the, the gambit of all the different things, but it really makes sense when the benefits are so encompassing that there's just not enough certifications to cover them all. <laughs> right, right. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the future of your farm. Where are you hoping to expand? What are your future goals? You know, tell us a little bit about where the kids are coming in. We'd love to know what's ahead for you guys. Sure. Um, yeah, the, the, the future is the kids and the next generation. Um, we've got five children that are now adults and um, the oldest three are married and have all chosen to work for us full time. Uh, number four is still here living at home working with us. And uh, number five just got out of college and she took a job out in Texas to kind of get some real worldly experience. And, you know, yet to be determined whether she's coming home eventually or not. And, and you know, we'll, we'll just wait and see. Um, we can always hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and what she's doing is pretty, pretty exciting as well. And so she's, she's 
just fine. But um, as far as our future, it, it's really making our, our farm a viable option for our adult children and maybe our, our grandkids as they grow up. We've got a couple of those now. And um, it, it's, it's letting our, our, our farm be a viable option, not only for them as maybe owners, but for our employees and for our community and, yeah. and certainly for our customers. And so we're just trying to be an example of uh, a farm that continues to kind of leave the land better than when we got it. And, um, you know, the result uh, outcome of that is, is awesome products along the way, which I think then we're leaving the consumer in better shape than, than when we first met, uh, because they're hopefully eating our products and, and, and getting a health benefit. And we've always said, build it and they will come, or we learned that phrase somewhere. And whether it's in our organic matter and our practices on the soils, or our, the way we raised our family and the, our kids, um, we live right across the street from the calves and the milk barn. And we had the opportunity to live in a bigger house a mile down the road, but we chose the 1800 square foot house right on the farm because we were both raised like that. And we love what we do. Um, and we wanted our kids to have that same passion, that same feeling. And if you talk to our daughter, especially, she always talks about just the benefit of living right across the street from the dairy farm. So Blake and I were always home, but we were always busy working. And they were a part of that. And they were early on a part of all, everything we did. And that was such a focus for us. And also a focus for us is our, our team members. Our, our, we feel like many of them are like family members and we're always trying to build that culture. And then our, our community involvement and wanting people to know that we're a family farm and, and they feel that they can come and, and stand by the maternity barn to see a baby calf born or, or pet the calves and, and know about our farm. We do a program in the community where this last summer we had about 190 kids that adopted a calf and they come most days and work with their calves and then weekly we have meetings and that gave them an opportunity to see that we're real people and we're passionate about our community and about them knowing where their food comes from because ultimately that's what they learn through the course of our eight-week program that we have here it's a 4-h program and it started when our son was in second grade our oldest so 24 years ago and he um it was a way to show his peer group the farm and then we just continue every year now in the summer that that's program. very very rewarding i'd like to maybe expand on the concept of build it and they will come it, it you know obviously folks hear that term and, and it's been out there in movies and different things but uh you know for us build it and they will come it, you know it starts with the literally the bacteria the fungi the you know protozoa the the nematodes and the other like microanthropods that live in soil and then you know above the ground it's the the frogs and all the way to the eagles and you know the elk and the fish and and ultimately it's the employees it's it's the uh, the kids coming home to the farm and and then the consumer so you know build it and they will come build the right product and then folks will find it and and you know they will tell our story for us and literally our eggs tell their own story you open up a carton of our eggs and you know these randomly colored sized and, and shaped uh, of eggs people just get it inherently they say whoa natural and and you know very very natural and then you crack them open and they're really different they're they're you know darker yolks and thicker and uh, fresher and, and it, just everything is is uh kind of sells itself, I guess, ultimately. And, and when we start, we started an egg business in uh, 2005 and, and Blake and I had learned that 
food from grass-based animals was more nutrient dense. And so as a way of raising kids, we started this Alexander Kids Egg Project, really, truly just to raise our kids and give them a job because we are a bigger dairy farm. So they didn't have real responsibilities every day, but this way the chickens lived and died based on them taking care of them. Then we started selling the eggs at farmer's markets, got in a few stores and it just grew and we rode that market of people appreciating organic grass-based foods and um, now it's a full-fledged business. That's awesome. Our last question I have for you is a lot of people in our audience are people who have full-time jobs off the farm and they just love regenerative and they're using every spare penny, everything to kind of start a farm and make it grow. But obviously starting a farm is a very tough business to get ahead in. Just from a business standpoint, what's your advice to those people who don't want to work those other jobs and want to be full-time farmers? How, what can they be doing to move ahead and take advantage of all the regenerative movement? You got to find a niche market. You can't compete for bottom dollar in the conventional world. Um, you got to be out there telling your story and be in the farmer's markets. I was just listening to a podcast last night and communities are searching for food local. Be that local source. Um, get to know buyers, get to know buyer clubs in your community and um, let them know what you have. Tell your story. People want to put a face to their farmer. And when you're in a community, when it, everybody should have a farm that they go to. They sh- the farmer should be the little darling in the community and should be where they go. Yeah, I, I would suggest, you know, I think chickens fit into everybody's backyard and, um, you know, Possibly you start with that. And then if you are going to sell a dozen eggs at the farmer's market, make darn sure you price them well. And, and let me just throw this out. Price them at $11 a dozen. That will be your marketing campaign. Consumers can relate to that. Um, I, I, I believe consumers have a right to pay more to get more or, or to pay extra to get more. However you want to look at that. But, you know, we need to be properly rewarded as farmers and, and often, you know, as a, you know, someone starting a, a backyard project or a small farm, um, you know, you, you don't put yourself in a position where you're competing on price. Um, just put your price where it needs to be and let the consumers tell you if you're out of line. Uh, I, I really encourage that. And of course, following these principles, I, I just think, you know, honoring the system that we've got here, um, it, it will pay off. And, and ultimately, um, you just kind of, I don't know, keep working with it. Come see us, come talk to us, call us, whatever you need. We're here to help. We really would love to help you all in your backyard. 